Gonzaga gets a six-seeded TCU missing their best front court player, a banged-up UCLA team as the two-seed, and a fading Kansas team as the one while starting out in Denver. Could things have gone any better for Mark Few's team on Selection Sunday? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Folks, it is officially NCAA tournament time. The madness of March has begun. We're going to talk about the initial thoughts about the bracket, about Gonzaga's first-round matchup against Grand Canyon, what their potential second-round matchup might look like. We're going to look at the bracket as a whole, who is on our region, what that could mean for the Zags as they try to make another deep run in the NCAA tournament. We're going to close out the show talking about the Lady Zags, who landed on the nine-seed line uh, with a potential matchup against Stanford in the second round in Seattle. We're going to cover all that today. Mailbag Monday is being pushed another day, so if you're listening to this before Monday late afternoon. You can you have a question you want me to answer in the show? Let me know. I'll reach out on Twitter, Andy Patton CBB, or I'll give you an email, Andy Patton 013 at gmail.com. Trying to compile all those questions to get into a mailbag for Tuesday. But first, the Zags grabbed that three seed in Denver, one of the spots that many people had kind of hoped they would end up landing in once Arizona defeated UCLA to win the Pac 12 tournament late on Saturday night. That's sort of I don't want to say it completely killed Gonzaga's chances of getting a two seed, but it made it much less likely that they were going to end up on that two line. I think a three seed is totally reasonable uh, looking at the other resumes around those teams. Uh, There's a lot of teams kind of in that range that could have been on the two line, could have been on the three line. A lot of good teams that got left off the four line even ended up as five seeds. I think Gonzaga ended up getting right around where they deserved to be. And I think that the, the draw here is pretty well, uh, it's pretty good. We'll kind of talk more about the overall bracket, bracket uh, region, I should say, at least a little bit later. But for now, let's focus on this first round game. We're going we're gonna to preview Grand Canyon a little bit more uh, closely as we get closer to the actual game, which is taking place on Friday afternoon, about 4.30 Pacific time is the alleged start time for that game. So keep that uh, time blocked off your calendar, Zags fans. Uh, but for right now, Three-seeded Zags, 14-seeded Grand Canyon Antelopes. Grand Canyon, a team that has often been rumored as a potential team to join the WCC uh, in replacement of BYU. We've seen Grand Canyon's name tossed out there a lot. Seattle U is a school that's been tossed out there a lot. There's a handful of other Big West or WAC schools that have kind of been in consideration for that spot as well. Grand Canyon has a very devoted fan base. Uh, They're a a unique institution, which I think is one of the things that's kind of holding them back from, from getting into the WCC. They don't fit like many of the other programs do, although... It is fair to note that BYU did not either, and that did not stop them from joining. Of course, they were a much bigger school, high-resource institution. So kind of a fun little potential preview of a a future WCC matchup. This is, of course, assuming that uh, Grand Canyon does get the addition to the WCC and that Gonzaga sticks around for a while. Neither of those things are anywhere close to being facts, uh, just something that could end up happening down the pipeline. And and Grand Canyon was not the favorite coming out of the WAC. Uh, Utah Valley was the number one seed. and Grand Canyon was fifth. 
In fact, I stayed in Las Vegas a few days after Gonzaga beat St. Mary's on Tuesday uh, at the Orleans. I stayed at the Orleans and I was able to watch Grand Canyon as the five seed play Seattle U, my other alma mater, uh, as the four seed. And so I got a pretty good up close look at Grand Canyon in that game. And, and I can see how they won that tournament. For starters, they had a bigger fan base there than anybody else. So there, it was loud. It was boisterous. It was enthusiastic for the Lopes. Uh, and they're, they're a good outside shooting team, 16th in the country in three-point field goal percentage, if you want something to give you a couple heart palpitations between now and Friday afternoon, that's going to be what it is. Grand Canyon is a 38% shooting team from beyond the arc as a team. Uh, this is their second tournament appearance in the last three years under coach Bryce Drew, his third season, now back in the dance for a second time. We'll see how much longer that keeps him at Grand Canyon or if he gets some opportunities to maybe, uh, I don't know, move up to Arizona State, although they Bobby Hurley may have saved his job by making the NCAA tournament this year and, in fact, could be a potential second-round opponent of the Zags if they are able to get past Nevada for a play-in game and TCU as the sixth seed. Uh, regardless, Grand Canyon... 24 and 11 on the season, only 10 and 7 in conference play. So they struggled a little bit uh, in the WAC. Again, came into the WAC tournament as the fifth seed before going on a nice little run and ultimately winning the whole championship. 104th in the net, 109th in Ken Palm. So we're talking about like a team that would be full fifth ish in the WCC. Not too dissimilar, quite frankly, looking at the analytics from a team like LMU, who Gonzaga beat very, very badly one time and lost to another time. So I'm not sure that that's the comparison that you all wanted to hear, but that is about where they are from that analytical perspective. Rayshon Harrison or Ray Harrison is the player to keep a close eye on here. 17 and a half points per game. He also leads the team with three and a half assists. And again, I think the biggest story for Grand Canyon, they can shoot the rock. And I think they're going to have a good fan base in Denver, not as good as Gonzaga's fan base. I can almost promise you that. Uh, but I think that this is a, in terms of three fourteens, this is a decent matchup. It's not going to be super easy for Gonzaga, but they should take care of it. They don't have a very great low post presence. I'm not sure how they're going to guard Drew Timmy. Uh, they're going to have to light it up from deep. And quite frankly, teams have been able to do that against Gonzaga. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. But I'm not overly concerned about Grand Canyon uh, in the first round. Second round matchup is going to be either TCU, Arizona State, or Nevada. Arizona State and Nevada were two of the last teams to sneak into the NCAA tournament. They are participating in that 11 seeded play-in game. The winner of that game will then turn around and play TCU in the 6 versus 11 TCU, uh, one of the top teams in the Big 12, the top basketball conference in the country by a significant margin. TCU was led throughout the year by Mike Miles Jr., one of the best point guards in the entire country. Experienced guard play is what wins in March so often, and they absolutely have that in Mike Miles Jr. The reason that I'm not nearly as concerned about TCU as I would have been previously is that Eddie Lampkin, their star rebounder, their star low post player, the only player on that roster I think has a very good chance of defending Drew Timmy adequately in single coverage, he's no longer with the team. The details at this point are kind of hard to verify. Eddie Lampkin made it clear on social media that he left the team in part because of significant disagreements uh, with the coaching staff. He felt like he was being mistreated by Coach Dixon. Uh, he had sent some emails and some texts and some conversations with other coaches where he was kind of expressing those concerns and kind of hearing it back from those coaches. So there seemed to be some significant drama within the TCU uh, program. I'm not going to get into all the details because, frankly, I don't know all of the details. Uh, it's Again, it's kind of some hearsay situations right now. But what we do know is that Eddie Lampkin is not with the team. That's a big deal. 
that's a really big deal for TCU to go into this tournament without uh, their low post presence and to have to potentially face a team that is so dominant in the paint in Gonzaga in the second round without Eddie Lampkin. It's going to be hard for Gonzaga to stop Mike Miles Jr. He's very, very talented. They have other creators around him. This is a good overall team. But a six-seeded TCU without Lampkin is not a bad draw for the Zags by any stretch of the imagination. you got to feel fairly confident about this. Of course, TCU has to get by either Arizona State or Nevada. We have seen sometimes the team that wins that play-in game on Tuesday carries enough momentum into the actual NCAA tournament to make a deep run. Hello, UCLA in 2021. That is what they did until Jalen Suggs hit a big old bank shot to end their season. Uh, I don't think Arizona State or Nevada are real threats to Gonzaga, quite honestly, Nevada. Uh, I'm glad they got into the tournament. I do think that they deserved it, but they are They didn't really beat a whole lot of tournament teams in the regular season. The Mountain West had a couple of teams for them to potentially beat in San Diego State in Boise State, who was also on the side of the bracket. Utah State also made the dance. Nevada didn't do well against those teams. Arizona State got beat by 37 points by San Francisco earlier this season. That was their worst loss of the year, mind you, and not necessarily indicative of how they would play against Gonzaga, but it is noteworthy that that is a game that happens to them. Desmond Cambridge is a really, really good guard for them, actually a transfer from Nevada, so that'll be a fun matchup for them in the play-in game. Warren Washington, uh, also a transfer from, I believe, Nevada, at least from a Mountain West school. I'm not 100% sure if it's Nevada. Uh, Regardless, Arizona State's a solid squad. I don't think they'd give Gonzaga too much trouble, Uh, and quite honestly, I don't see either of those teams advancing past TCU even if they don't have Eddie Lampkin. Well, let's talk about the rest of the bracket. We're going to talk about a banged-up UCLA team, what that matchup could potentially look like. We're going to talk about a struggling Kansas squad at the very top, as well as some dark horse candidates to come out of this this conference, including St. Mary's. But first, let's talk about today's sponsor, Bilt Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Bilt Bar. We're here in March Madness, and I know while watching all these games, one of my goals is to eat a little bit healthier. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they are so delicious, you will not think they're good for you. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk up to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a 4-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs today. All right, segment two, still any patents, still Locked on Zags. And I want to thank you all for making Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. For right now, grab your bracket and go listen to Locked on College Basketball Bracket Breakdown. Isaac and I recorded this on Sunday. It was so much fun breaking down every game in this in the bracket on the west side or on the, the left side, the right side. We made our Elite Eight and Final Four predictions. We talked to some other folks around the Locked on College Basketball or Locked on network to kind of discuss some matchups and everything it's a fantastic show it's available on the odyssey app it's available on youtube it's available wherever you get your podcast check it out all right let's take a look at the rest of the teams 
on this side of the bracket. We're not going to look at the whole bracket at large. We're going to focus on the region that we are in for right now. We already talked about, of course, Gonzaga's matchup as a three-seed versus 14-seeded Grand Canyon, uh, and then the potential second-round matchup between TCU and either Arizona State or Nevada. Looking outside of that, though, the two-seed in Gonzaga's region, if they were to advance that far, is the Bruins of UCLA, a potential rematch with UCLA worth pointing out Gonzaga has not been a three seed in the NCAA tournament since 2006. Some of you might remember what happened in 2006. Some of you might really not want to remember what happened in 2006, but that is of course the year as a three seed Gonzaga advanced and played UCLA held a 17 point lead, watched it slip away. Adam Morrison very famously let out his emotions on the court and fans have been bringing signs to Gonzaga basketball games with a picture of a crying Adam Morrison for the last 17 years. I think they can find another joke, but Hey, Whatever, Gonzaga's got a chance for a rematch against UCLA. Of course, UCLA is probably looking at it as a not a rematch of 2006, but rather a rematch of 2021 when Jalen Suggs hit a 37-foot bank shot with time expired to give Gonzaga a win, an incredible, extraordinary shot, one of the greatest in school history, if not the greatest in school history. So setting up that potential rematch is very, very fun. It's worth pointing out with UCLA, they lost the Pac-12 championship game without Jalen Clark, who is expected to be out for the rest of the NCAA tournament. Clark was their the Pac-12 defensive player of the year. He averaged 13 points and six rebounds per game while being one of the best perimeter defenders in the country. That's a really hard player for UCLA to have to go into the NCAA tournament without. They also did not play against Arizona with Adembona, their star freshman big man. Also a defensive player. Good shot blocker, good rebounder. UCLA, and, and but Bona's status is not clear as of right now whether he will play for them in their first round game. Certainly we are not sure whether he will be available by the time a potential matchup between Gonzaga and UCLA would take place. But they're probably going to be without Clark. And that alone makes them a more vulnerable team. I thought UCLA was going to get a one seed. I thought they probably deserved a one seed. They blew the game against Arizona. Courtney Ramey hit a three with less than a minute left to give Arizona a lead. They barely led in that game at all, but they ended up winning the Pac-12 championship. Had that not happened, UCLA might have earned a one seed. So this is a very, very good team. But they are a little bit banged up. And it is worth noting that not having a good perimeter defensive player against Gonzaga is going to be tough. Not having your best front court defensive player Really tough, really tough. How they're going to defend Drew Timmy is going to be a very big question because they struggled to guard Azulis Tabellis. Umar Balo didn't have a fantastic game against against UCLA, but he did have a double double in that one. I, I think that they're they're going to struggle with with good solid front court players. And Drew Timmy and Gonzaga they meet that criteria pretty significantly. So something to keep an eye on there. UCLA's first round matchup is against UNC Asheville, the 15 seed. Shout out Mike Morell, the head coach, their friend of the co-host of Locked On College Basketball podcast, Isaac Shade. Very cool to see UNC Asheville in the dance. Couple other matchups, 5-12, St. Mary's versus VCU. Yeah, it's the first time we're mentioning St. Mary's in the same region as the Zags. It would take uh, some interesting <laughs> upsets in order for them to actually face each other. But hey, a five seed versus a three seed has definitely happened out of a region before. St. Mary's is going to struggle getting past their first round matchup, VCU, uh, a team that is very, very good and dangerous out of the Atlantic 10. Uh, and I think kind of a, a a frustrating matchup for St. Mary's. We'll talk a little bit about, about that more later in the week, but uh, a chance for a rematch with St. Mary's is always, always fun as well. Uh, four seed is UConn. 
Dan Hurley's squad, UConn ranked number one in the country for significant chunks of this season early on. They struggled quite a bit down the stretch, but Adama Sonogo, Donovan Klingon are two of the, the biggest front court players in the entire country. They struggled a little bit with their backcourt. Jordan Hawkins has been fantastic. Uh, Tristan Newton has struggled to the point where he actually got benched uh, during, I, I believe, a Big East tournament game. So UConn's another threat to potentially make a deep run out uh, of this region. They are facing off against Iona. And potentially future Big East coach Rick Pitino, who is the coach of the Gales uh, out of Iona. Rick Pitino is rumored to be in the mix for the St. John's job, potentially the Georgetown job, although it sounds like that's a little bit less likely. Uh, I don't think he's going to go to Texas Tech and Lubbock either, but I do think there's a very real possibility that Patino ends up in Queens coaching St. John's next year. Regardless, I don't think Iona is going to put up a huge threat against UConn, but it is kind of fun that Patino will get a chance to coach against a Big East team again and potentially something that we might see more of down the line. Uh, looking at some of the other games here, a seven seed Northwestern, 10 seed Boise State. Boise State, shout out Leon Rice, former Gonzaga assistant coach for a long time, Rice and Lloyd and a few all worked together for a significant amount of time. And uh, they've all had a lot of success last year. Gonzaga won the WCC. Tommy Lloyd won the PAC 12 Leon Rice won the mountain West. Very cool to kind of see that happen. Also, um, Long Beach States coach uh, won there as well. Dan Monson, former Gonzaga coach as well. So uh, shout out to Boise State. I don't think they're going to make a significant uh, advancement here necessarily, uh, but it is kind of worth keeping an eye on on what that might look like for them. So yeah, lots of fun games here in this region. Of course, Kansas is the number one seed. They're taking on Howard. The Bison of Howard have not made the NCAA tournament since 1992 Shout out to them for getting back into the big dance. Don't expect them to pull off any stunning, significant major upsets like you might expect uh, them to do just because Kansas is really good. I mean, Kansas is really, really good. And Bill Self has not been coaching. He did not coach in the Big 12 tournament. He had a a heart procedure. We don't know a lot of the details there. We, of course, hope that he is healthy and able to return to the sideline if that is what his doctors determine. I kind of have a hard time imagining that they're going to just throw him back to the most stressful job in the entire world uh, and let him start doing that. But we will see how that shakes out. Regardless, Kansas is really good with or without Bill Self manning the sideline. Jalen Wilson is one of the best players in the entire country. Uh, Grady Dick, their freshman, uh, he's a sharp shooter, really, really good outside shooter, can do a little bit of everything. Uh, Kansas is a really dangerous team. And for me, Gonzaga can beat every single team in this division. I believe that wholeheartedly. I don't know how you can look at this region and say that that's not true. It's absolutely true. A banged up UCLA team, like we mentioned, a UConn team that absolutely has their warts, a St. Mary's team that they just obliterated the last time they played them, TCU without Eddie Lampkin, et cetera, going on down the line. Kansas is going to be tough, though. If Gonzaga and Kansas meet in the Elite Eight, that's a really, really hard game to win for Gonzaga. Kansas is deep. They're loaded. They're offensively talented. They're defensively talented. They create matchup night nightmares with the players that they have. DeWan Harris, one of the best point guards in the entire country. That's a really tough matchup. And if we get there, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, but that's going to be a really, really hard one for Gonzaga to win. But uh, I like the rest of this region a lot. You're never going to love the one seed in your region because they're a one seed for a reason. Uh, but I think Gonzaga has a very, very good chance of making another nice run, potentially getting back in the Elite Eight and really kind of salvaging a season that a lot of people uh, were pretty down on back in November and December and certainly in January after the loss to LMU. If you told people then that Gonzaga would get a three seed and have a very, very decent run towards a potential Elite Eight, I think people would be pretty happy with it. I know I am. Well, the Lady Zags received a nine seed 
in their NCAA tournament bracket, but they'll at least play in Seattle with a potential date against regional rival Stanford in the second round. More on that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMontis Sabonis to keep putting up huge numbers for Sacramento. Maybe you like Zach Collins and his new role with the Spurs to keep up the high level of production. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags, and we're still talking bracketology selection Sunday results. We're switching over to talk about the women's basketball program who received a nine seed in the NCAA tournament in the Seattle region. They will face off against eight-seeded Ole Miss in the first round, and then they will take on the winner of the 116 game. It's going to be Stanford. Stanford is going to be the team that Gonzaga plays in the second round if they advance past Ole Miss. It's very reminiscent of what happened last year. I mean, eerily. Last year, Gonzaga was a nine-seed. They were in Louisville. They played a Power 5 program in Nebraska in the first round. They won. They advanced to play Louisville in Louisville, and then they lost. Stanford is not in Seattle, obviously, but a nine seed against a power five program with a second round matchup against a dominant one seed in a local region. A lot of similarities, a lot of similarities. And I think that quite frankly, Lisa Fortier's team is probably going to do the same thing that they did last year. I think they have a good chance of beating Ole Miss being a nine seed that advances to the round of 32 and faces off against a one seed. There they get a date with Stanford, a team they already played this year, a team that they play basically every single year, but they don't win very often because Stanford is really, really good. And while the Zags often play Stanford really close, they often give them one of their biggest non-conference challenges of the entire year. This year, that was not the case. Gonzaga did not fare particularly well in that game against Stanford. So that's a tough second round matchup. Uh, we'll see kind of, we can cross that bridge if when we get there and see how Gonzaga does against uh, against Stanford. Of course, as regional as Stanford is to the West Coast, Spokane's closer. And there's going to be a lot of Gonzaga fans at that second round game in Seattle. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what the crowd kind of reaction is, whether it's more pro Gonzaga, whether it's more pro Stanford, whether it's kind of a 50-50 split or not. Uh, but from a talent perspective, Stanford is very, very good. The uh, Lisa Fortier's team is going to have to shoot really well from beyond the arc, which they can do. One of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire country, Brenda Maxwell, has been absolutely fantastic, in particular from beyond the arc. Having both the Trunk Twins healthy uh, is a fantastic addition for this program, but that's a very, very tough matchup. Uh, looking at Ole Miss, uh, before we get there, though, they got to get past the running Rebels, 23-8 uh, and eight this season. Really nice year uh, for Ole Miss. Uh, they were fourth in the SEC behind South Carolina, the best team in the entire country, behind LSU and behind Tennessee. Guess what? The Lady Zags beat Tennessee earlier in the year in the Bahamas. That's one of the biggest wins of the season. It was a win that, quite frankly, didn't 
elevate their resume as much as I think we would have hoped that it w- that it would have. Them, of course, losing to Portland in the WCC Championship did not help either. But worth pointing out, the team that finished higher in the SEC is a team that Gonzaga beat. So that's a, a good sign for their potential uh, path to at least advancing past Ole Miss. Uh, Angel Baker is the star player for the Run Rebels, uh, 15.5 points, 2.6 assists per game. And their low post president is Madis- Madison Scott. Excuse me, She averages about 12 points and 8 rebounds per game. Uh, Ole Miss is not a good outside shooting team. They shoot less than 30% from three. Uh, so for Gonzaga, if they can get and build a lead from beyond the arc in particular, uh, that's going to make it a little bit tougher for Ole Miss to potentially come back in that game. Uh, so you got to like that regional, a, a poor shooting Ole Miss team. You get to stay home uh, in the Seattle area. They have to come across the country to play you. Second round matchup against Stanford is obviously a little daunting. Again, it's it's pretty similar to last year. So we'll kind of see if if Fortier's team follows a similar path or if they can make some significant noise and potentially pull off a big, huge upset against Stanford in the second round. I want to close out the show, talk about the other WCC team that made the big dance uh, for the women's side. That's, of course, the Pilots of Portland, a bid stealer. We did not see any bid stealers on the men's side. But Portland was a significant bid stealer on the women's side because they were not going to get an NCAA tournament seed except if they won the WCC, which they did. They are now a 12 seed playing Oklahoma in the first round in Greensville. The winner of that game will get the winner of the 4-13 matchup between UCLA and Sacramento State. Again, I've said this on the show before. I will say it again. I was in no way, shape, or form rooting for the Portland Pilots to beat Gonzaga. That is not in my nature at all. However, the Pilots made the NCAA tournament in 2020. They won. They beat Gonzaga in the semifinals, and I believe they beat BYU, I think is who it was, in the championship of the 2020 WCC tournament. They were going to go dancing for the first time since the 1990s, and then COVID happened, and their season got banged, and everybody's season got canceled, and it looked like they might not make it back. They had a really talented team this year, but Haley Andrews was out for the entire year. And I think it's nice that they get another opportunity. I think they deserve it. I used to work at UP. I know the staff there. I know the program. And they this is a, a nice accomplishment for them. And it would have been a bummer if they reached their pinnacle in 2020 and didn't actually get a chance to compete. So it's a bummer that it hurt Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga was going to be in that 7, 8, 9 kind of seed range regardless. So I'm not sure how much that loss to UP actually hurt them. But it does give the pilots an opportunity to dance perhaps I don't know how prevalent 5-12 upsets are on the women's side. I know they're pretty prominent on the men's side. Perhaps the Pilots can continue their momentum, pull off a win against Oklahoma, and meet up with a very, very good UCLA team in the second round. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Plenty, plenty more coming your, coming your way this week. The transfer portal opens up. We'll talk about what that could mean. We'll talk more about the selection Sunday the rest of the bracket outside of just Gonzaga's region. And of course, get more in-depth previewing this game against Grand Canyon coming up on Friday. Also check out the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. We did a huge bracket preview show. It is fantastic. It's going to be out Monday afternoon. There's also a live show on Monday morning, just talking about all of these games and, and our Elite Eight and Final Four predictions. You're going to love what we have to say about Gonzaga in that show. You can find Lockdown College Basketball wherever you get podcasts. You can also find it on YouTube as well. Find Lockdown Zag on youtube as well go hit that subscribe button go leave a comment leave a review on itunes whatever it may be we are in the best most fun month of the year i cannot wait to continue to produce content for you all the way through the ncaa tournament so give us a like a subscribe whatever it may be it is very much appreciated all right thank you all for listening and go zags